You are Locked On Bucks, your daily podcast on the Milwaukee Bucks, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. Backs him down. Giannis into the lane. Giannis spinning. Welcome to Locked on Bucks. I'm Eric Name. Joining me as always is my good friend Frank Madden. And Frank, the Bucks didn't do anything. The trade deadline came and passed and the Milwaukee Bucks didn't do anything. So uh, that gives us maybe a little bit less to talk about tonight. But also, I guess we can kind of talk about how that affects the Bucks, how the Cavaliers... I don't know. It, it was it an it was it an implosion? Was it an ex- explosion? I'm not really sure. Um, but they totally changed their roster. Um, so we can talk about that a little bit, um, and then also preview uh, the Miami Heat. But other than that, how are you doing? How was your trade deadline day? <laughs> it, it was good. My uh, my parents are in town, uh, and my parents are uh, Bucks season ticket holders, big Bucks fans. My wife is, as you know, a big NBA fan fan of the houston rockets as well uh we we kind of sat around because i'm on i'm on paternity leave right now so we kind of sat around deadline day watching uh first nba tv and then the jump at their uh you know trade deadline special on so kudos to espn for giving the jump that entire time like the jump is fantastically produced it's a dvr like that there's not many things i dvr and make sure i watch every day but that is one of the things that i dvr every day and will find a way to get to at some point in my day so kudos to you espn for giving the jump three hours to mess around for an hour and a half before the deadline and then an hour and a half after it because it's fantastic shout out to you rachel nichols as well yeah i mean that is a show um that I, I DVR every day, and you know, again, I don't necessarily watch it every day, but um, I, I like to have the option. Um, and gl- really glad that you know we have like a chance to see the likes of of Windhorst and Zach Lowe, and you know, obviously Rachel Nichols uh, on a daily basis. Glad, uh, glad it's there. Certainly today, a very good day to have it. Um, although <laughs> I feel like, I, I mean, I think anybody, I, I imagine many of you listen. Obviously, probably listen to many. Uh, basketball podcast and it seems like well it seems like all season basically just you know cavalier dysfunction cavalier this cavalier that has been just the like primary talking point like you know every other day they're holding a team meeting or they get blown out or you know then they play well for a change maybe not recently but you know it, it it's just so much of a spotlight is mm-hmm. on the cavaliers and that just comes to the territory of lebron james and also there's the level of dysfunction going on there um but man, today they drew all the headlines and they deserved them. <laughs> they earned uh, it. They totally earned it. There were today. no there were no manufactured storylines to <laughs> to talk about the uh, Cleveland Cavaliers today. And um, my my wife uh, 
so since we're you know in the first weeks of raising our first daughter um we have weird sleep schedules i i got up relatively early took care of our dogs and stuff and then i was just kind of sitting there watching tv and my wife eventually went back to bed took a long nap and i think she came came like came out into, the, into our living room at like noon and it was like oh what's going on and i was like um so, <laughs> everything so i was like so the Cavs have traded their whole roster basically so and i was literally sitting there i was like so they gave up isaiah thomas Shumpert, Channing Fry, uh, who else? Dwayne Wade's gone. Uh, I don't know. I'm probably forgetting like a couple other people. Um, and they got, and then when you when you describe who they got, it's or Derek Rose also gone. Um, and then like you start listing off who they got, and it's like my God, they're like so many people: George Hill, Rodney Hood, Jordan Clarkson, Larry Nance. Who, am I forgetting? I think that's about oh, it. For, yeah. Um, I, I mean, again, like just a weird just a weird day man i don't i mean there can't be any precedent for a single team pulling off this many <laughs> separate moves and pretty incredible that they were able to i mean just just from a sheer like how many calls can you take and coordinate everything and actually get all these deals to actually go through uh i mean if nothing else i'm impressed by the administrative skill of actually pulling off all these deals in a single day um I, you know, again, I, I'm not sure if if history will be, you know, terribly kind on this day as far as, you know, what it really means in the grand scheme of the Cavaliers franchise. Um, but I, I, I guess they needed to do something and they definitely did something today. Yeah, I mean, to me, I think when you think about this Cavaliers team, like it's, I mean, before the trade deadline, it was a a team of largely broken players like isaiah thomas is broken right now he yeah. he can't do any of the things that he can normally do he still thinks he can do some of those things and i mean that's a very clear problem we talked about it before the season derrick rose is not good at basketball still on yeah. the roster and you still have to figure out yeah i mean he leaves for what two weeks and comes back and like, it's just like a he's whole... still cashing paychecks but oh yeah. well don't doubt that ever um but he comes back d wade had a good start to the season then he cooled off jay crowder looks like he's never played basketball before like there was just oh yeah jay crowder's gone too yeah <laughs> but yeah. <laughs> uh like there was just a team full of guys that looked bad <laughs> there's just no way to kind of slice it any differently i think they lost 14 of 22 like they were just a bad basketball team so if you actually wanted a shot at this year you kind of had to make drastic changes oh amon shumpert also just out of the rotation yep. looked awful and so you have a bunch of guys that aren't any good and are the guys that they got back great i don't know I've always been a George Hill guy, but he's had a bunch of health issues where he just has, he's been healthy and he's played, but also there's been lingering issues where he just doesn't look totally right. Rodney Hood, there's a large variety of opinions on him. Is he great? Is he worth a ton of money? Is he not worth anything? Like no one really knows kind of exactly where to place him. Um, and then as you attempt to figure out exactly what else is is going on with that team? Like, I just think it's it's difficult. Um, it's tough to know exactly uh, what they got. Uh, th I know that they got a, a couple players, and then you had Jordan Clarkson and Larry Nance. Just there's guys. There's no there's no star in that group. 
but there may be four guys that are more capable than the players that they are sending out. And largely that I can't believe this is actually a thing that you have to say about the the Cleveland Cavaliers, but having capable guys, whether or not they're great, like just having capable guys would be a huge upgrade for that team this season. So um, it'll be interesting to see. I thought the, the Lakers deal was strange because the first round pick. Yeah, I don't like the the Lakers have been actively trying to get off of one of those contracts. Like Luol Deng was out of the question, but they really desperately wanted to get off that Clarkson deal. And, and I think Windhorse on the jump had said like, "This is a, a not very well kept secret, but like Rob Palinka is going to sleep really well tonight because he finally got rid of that Jordan Clarkson deal." And he didn't only get rid of it. Like the Cavs gave him a first round pick to get rid of it. Like yeah. Jordan Clarkson isn't something that you should be actively giving up things to get. He is someone that you should be taking begrudgingly. And it, it's just, a, I don't know. It's just such a, a just strange trade for it to be um, Isaiah Thomas, Channing Fry, and a first round pick uh to the Lakers for Clarkson and Nance. Like, I just feel like you're doing the Lakers a favor by clearing all this cap space, which look at that. All of a sudden the Lakers have room for two max players this summer. Um, you were doing them the favor. So why did you give them a first round pick as well? <laughs> like it, that, it, it was just a really strange deal. And, and like I said, or I, excuse me, like you said, I don't know in the, in the grand scheme of things, once this all gets done, will they look like winners? Will they look like losers? I think the verdict is far from being decided on that. Like it, it is going to be a, a while until we actually know that. But for right now, I mean, if you are hoping to let LeBron make one last run, you got a number of different bodies in there. Hopefully those bodies are more capable than the ones that you had before. And you didn't give up the Nets pick, which could be at this point anywhere from one to eight eight-ish um, because the bottom of the standings is packed so tightly. Um, so maybe it's a great pick. Maybe it's a not so great pick, but you didn't give that up. So I think ultimately a win for the Cavs, but I don't know. It's it's a scary deal or a scary yeah. series of deals. Excuse me. Yeah. I mean, I think, um, I think the one that, that intrigues me the most is the deal for Rodney hood. Um, I mean, effectively the jazz give up Jay Crowder or sorry, the Jazz give up Rodney Hood and also ship Joe Johnson to Sacramento. Uh, enjoy that, Joe. Um, presumably, he'll get bought out pretty soon. Uh, and they and they get back Jay Crowder, who you know a year ago this was probably like makes probably feels like a lot more even trade. This year, Jay Crowder's just been kind of terrible and mm-hmm. looks has looked lost. But you know he's not paid a ton of money uh, anyway, so it's you know not that bad. Um, and Rodney Hood's going to be a restricted free agent, so it's sort of you know, one of these questions of, I thought it was interesting that the Jazz seemed so disinterested in retaining Rodney Hood, who, you know, is one of these guys just has had so many random injuries. Yeah. Um, you know, just doesn't really stay on the court. Uh, at his best, he can look terrific. Um, but again, he's a guy that kind of, I don't know, like peeling back the onion a little bit. Um, I mean, he's a terrible RPM guy. Uh, he doesn't really pass the ball. It seems like he's very streaky. I don't know. I, I can see Rodney hood. And again, this isn't really based on that much information, but just like, I, I just get this sense that Rodney hood might be a guy that, you know, there may be a, let's say there's a reason why a smart team like Utah with a pretty good, smart, pretty good front <laughs> office was looking at Rodney hood and saying, Oh, 
well, can't keep him or won't want to keep him um, it, going into a summer where, I mean, who's who's giving Rodney Hood $15 million a year? Is that a thing? Is there some team that like is going to go throw him a ton of money? Like I, I uh, Just reading you know. through this, though, I, I just saw this Mark Stein tweet. Watching Utah today will be fascinating with some 20 teams said to have inquired about Rodney Hood. What? 20 teams? And I guess maybe I can understand for like a stretch run Rodney Hood being attractive, but I can't imagine someone's going to give him big money this summer. And obviously we've talked about the restricted free agent market and the free agent market as it relates to Jabari Parker, but man, that would really, I don't know, maybe there is a market there, but yeah, I, I can't see it either. Yeah. I mean, in previous years, I would have said, yeah, Rodney Hood's going to get overpaid. Um, I just wonder, right? I mean, there's only so much money to go around that, um, you know, it creates this interesting situation. You know, when you think about, I think that's the one of the things that mistakes that people make when they try to think about free agency is they just view it as like, well, there's just an unlimited number of teams. And so if, if, if this guy who's a free agent is like another guy who was a free agent previous years, then he's just going to get that money. Right. And mm-hmm. the reality is, there's a limited number of teams that have cap space and once that cap space runs out then there's a bunch of other teams that might have mid-level exception money but it's very like you know it's like a step function sort of type thing i mean if you don't get you know if a guy who you think is a 15 million dollar player doesn't get that money from a team with cap space then he can't get it from you know then he can get eight nine million dollars max from these teams of the mid-level exception so it gets kind of it kind of jumps around a bit and i don't know hood is just one of these interesting guys that um you know i mean i mean he's a wing scorer like i don't know if i'd call him a three and d guy but um you know he's young enough you'd think that there'd be some interest in him but certainly utah uh coming off him and, and saying nah yeah we'll, we'll punt on it it's pretty interesting because you also yeah. assume they're going to punt on Derek favors um so Interesting, um, interesting how how that looked. Uh, George Hill, I, I thought it was interesting. George Hill basically at salary dumped, um, and really even not that effective of a salary dump if you're Sacramento because they took back Amon Shumpert, who's yeah. got a, money coming next year. Um, I mean, <laughs> literally the opposite of a salary dump. Like, yeah, I mean, you, the Kings basically just sort of gave away. Uh, I mean, they make. I think they they are going to save some money next year because I think Shump's got like ten million and and uh, Hill's got like nineteen next yeah, year yeah. before. One million guarantee the following year. Um, I, I I feel personally kind of a little valid here, just because I remember in November looking at the Kings and saying, "Well," and this was before the Bucks made the trade for Eric Bledsoe, and thinking, "Could the Bucks just like get Eric Bled or uh, uh, George Hill on like a basically like for like basically nothing because yeah. he's making so much money and they're just going to want to get rid of him?" This was this was before the Bledsoe deal, so I thought like, you know, if you offered Greg Monroe to the Kings and just let them basically not have to pay George Hill next year. Like, would they just take that because he wasn't really fitting in? It doesn't mm-hmm. match their timeline. They have De'Aaron Fox. Like, you know, they sort of just gave him that money sort of opportunistically thinking like, Oh, we have cap space. Like he's good. Um, but I'm, I'm not surprised at all that basically he just gets salary dumped. And certainly he's an interesting guy for Cleveland. Cause you know, he actually does kind of, I mean, we've obviously long been George Hill fans. He's obviously getting older really didn't look that great in uh in sacramento this year was hurt a lot last year in in utah but played really well when when he was healthy um he's actually a guy i mean again like you know you can certainly talk yourself into a good version of these guys that the that the uh Cavs picked up like actually dramatically improving them and i think part of it is just going to be like you know the dead cat bounce of 
well, everybody was miserable previously, <laughs> and there was just such a cancerous environment mm-hmm. that just punting, you know, Isaiah, who, who was just bitching and moaning about everybody but himself, um, you know, shipping D Wade out, who seemed like he probably was not helping the situation, um, you know, just getting rid of a lot of these guys and kind of just like, sh- you know, shaking things up is probably going to help things just by default. But, um, but yeah, you know, I think it'll be interesting to see. I think I, I will say this. I mean, I think, you know, the Bucks, um, as as we sit here right now, the the uh, Celtics beat the Wizards tonight uh, here on Wednesday night, or sorry Thursday night, um, which means that the Milwaukee Bucks are now in uh, by percentage points in fourth place in the East uh, ahead of the Washington Wizards. The Wizards have one game; they're one game up in both the win the they have one more win and one more loss, so they're slightly uh, slightly worse percentage wise than the Bucks, um, and they don't have the tiebreaker against the Bucks. Um, and the Cavs are only a game up on the Bucks. Uh, they would be tied, I guess, in terms of record, if not for LeBron uh, winning that game last <laughs> night. Um, but I would say this: I would say, I mean, I never thought the Bucks would be in a position to get the third seed in the East. Um, I- I'll say I felt better about their chances before uh, Cleveland made all these trades, just because yeah, stuff was just so chaotic and terrible there. Um, I think again at this point, I would say Cleveland probably figures enough out. They still have LeBron um, to hold off the Bucks, but I don't know. It's going to be really interesting. I mean, I, I can't. I mean, is there any precedent for a team that supposedly had tight, you know, finals uh, aspirations? Uh, a team like that blowing up their roster at the All Star break, and in, in, I mean, I don't know. I don't know how many teams. Period have had this kind of turnover at the all-star break, let alone one that actually thought they were going to make the finals or try to make the finals. So I don't know. I feel like we're kind of in uncharted territory with just the amount of turnover this team has made. Crazy part is I think they needed it. That was what, like six guys out and four guys back in. I'm trying to think of the exact number um, with the Cavaliers, but it's just, it's crazy. Um, So yeah, Rose, Wade, IT, Crowder, Shumpert, and Fry all out. And then Clarkson, Nance, and Hood, and Hill all in. And when do the Cavs play next? Like, can they even feel the team? Um, like, as you're working through uh, physicals and all that, like, it's just crazy to think that. You can see so much change, um, and obviously they'll probably add a buyout or two. Um, and man, it, it's just they play tomorrow in Atlanta, so we'll see how many of these guys can even get there on time. Because I, I can't imagine I, that that'll be interesting. Like they might have like a. It's seven just going to be. Man. It's just going to be Jetty Osmond and LeBron going two on five <laughs> against against the Hawks. So they'll probably win by like five. Yeah, I mean LeBron's a big Jetty fan now, um, so uh, that that should uh, that should work out for him. But yeah, it, it's crazy, and I would agree. I had if the Cavs would have just kind of stood pat. I would have said, yeah, okay, I, I think the Bucks can get him. Now I feel a little bit less confident. <laughs> Isn't that crazy? Can you uh, imagine like two months ago thinking this? Yeah, no, I or could, a month ago even. I simply this, could this not. Point. No. Um, so yeah, we'll we'll kind of see where all that goes. The only other thing I wanted to talk about was the Grizzlies and the fact that they. So if you follow the Tyreek Evans stuff, like Tyreek Evans was sitting out games because the Grizzlies were so sure that they were going to trade him. And then when it came down to it, they refused to take on any future money. Like I think that was Zach Lowe that had 
tweeted out kind of like the option that they had. But essentially what it came down to there, and I think Windhorse was talking about on the jump, like the Grizzlies would just not accept future money. Like anything past this year, they would not accept. And it was interesting to kind of see like one that future money was so toxic to teams. And then also two that first round picks were just, I don't want to say being hoarded, but it would, the Cavs were the, really the only team that was willing to give up a first rounder at, at any point today. So I just thought those two things were interesting as we we moved to this summer where there's not a ton of cap room. And I, I know a friend of the pod, Dan Schaefer, was telling us the other day, like, okay, you hear that every summer that there's not enough money and like it. it the people will still get stupid contracts and like i don't deny that people will get stupid contracts they always do but i just think the volume of those contracts and uh, just the reality of the situation like no one in the league really i shouldn't say no one but very few teams in the league even have money and i think seeing that plus the lou williams deal the other day like i i think we're looking at a, a summer of free agency that i just i don't know if there's really a a a parallel at any other time that I've been following the game closely. Like, I just can't think of a time where there'll be so few teams. There'll be so that'll just be so reticent to actually give them money. Like, I don't know. It's, it's going to be interesting. Yeah. I mean, there are always some bad deals, but I think it's going to be really interesting. Those, those deals that get struck right at midnight on July 1st, there's probably going to be some that are just going to be, we're going to look back on as like, you know, the even more, well, I don't want to say worse than the Timothy Mozgov, you know, shortly after midnight signing by the Lakers when they gave him all that money a couple of years ago. Um, but I, I think the fact that there just isn't that much money means some pretty good players are not going to get paid anything close to what they expect. Mm-hmm. And I, it's just going to be really interesting because inevitably some guys will get paid. Um, and you know the 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 contrast I think is going to be really stark this year. Um, I think it's going to be really obvious. You know which teams kind of read the market right and which teams didn't. Um, obviously, if you're the you know as a Bucks fan, you're hoping the Bucks are among the teams that read the market well and you know don't show up and give Jabari Parker a max contract on you know July 1st or something, mm-hmm. and then have there be you know and then see Aaron Gordon get like 15 million a year or something like that right where guys who are sort of in similar boats don't get anything close to to that but um but yeah it'll be interesting and any other your kind of thoughts I mean you know obviously maybe I'll, I'll ask you this I mean were you surprised to see DeAndre Jordan not moved um were you surprised to see the Bucks not make another move I know I would guess probably not given what we discussed yesterday with I don't know seeming like the Bucks were probably you know, had, had kind of done their major shopping already. But um, any other surprises, whether it's DeAndre staying put or the Bucks not making a move that, that kind of struck you? Or were you, would you say that other than the Cavs today, it was eh, kind of par for the course? Yeah, I thought it was pretty much... I mean, I, I don't think I was really surprised by it. Certainly from the Bucks' perspective, I, I thought they had made their two moves. They had done uh, a smaller move to solidify their big rotation. Um, and obviously Tyler Zeller didn't give you much confidence in the first game to make you think that <laughs> it, it was actually solidified. But um, I do think that was kind of their move there. And going into the year, we had talked about point guard. And I think they already made their move there. So I, I wasn't really shocked to see the Bucks just kind of hang out I'm, I'm sure they throughout the day were making calls and doing their due diligence and um 
being generally active because everyone has to be active because you, you don't want to miss really you don't want to miss any deals but at the same time I, I don't think that they were um aggressively shopping any players or anything like that so um that didn't really surprise me um i know there was a little scuttlebutt today that deandre jordan would end up getting moved but i can't say that i was really surprised to not see that happen um just because I don't know. What are you trading for? Like, are you the, you're the team that wants to give him that money? Cause one, you need to have that money as a franchise that this, like that you can sign him to his next contract and you have the space. Um, and then two, you have to want Deandre Jordan. And I think in the modern NBA, that's a scary thing to sign up for. Like, there's no doubt that DeAndre Jordan still can be a really effective player. Um, he offensively, he's a great rim runner um, that can really attract backside defenders. Um, but at the same time, there's times where you have to worry about him at the end of games. You have to worry about his free throw shooting. Like, there's just some question marks there. And then defensively, he's solid and he can help on the back line. Um, but do you want to pay for that? I like, I don't know if you do in the modern NBA. So I, I wasn't really surprised to see him not move. Yeah, I, I also it's just tough to figure out exactly what the Clippers are doing. Um, yeah. You know, I, I think first off, I mean, if you told me they were going to extend Lou Williams. Um, you know, part of me would say, well, like, geez, what, why, you know, what are they doubling down on 31-year-old Lou Williams after they deal Blake? But the fact that they got Lou Williams for three years, $24 million, I mean, that's a no-brainer, right? I mean, he is clearly going to be an asset, um, did you, you know, hear, over the next... Did you hear Wendy on the jump saying that, like, agents yeah. were furious with <laughs> yeah. Lou Williams yeah. and his agency for accepting yeah. that? Like, that's crazy. Yeah, it's, it's a really interesting, you know, kind of... Uh, sneak peek, I guess, of yeah. m- m- maybe what what's to come this summer, um, or maybe we'll look back and say that's an outlier, right? That that was Could just be. a terrible, terrible <laughs> move by uh, Lou Williams and his agent, or whatever. You know, I mean, guys, I mean, Lou Williams is a guy who's moved around a lot. You know, maybe he just looked at his, hey, I like being in L.A. Let's just lock this up. I don't have to be a free agent. Screw it. You know, um, although you know, again, Lou Williams is also not a guy who's gotten like you know a hundred million dollar contract. Uh, it, uh, you know, in the past, so um, I don't know. I mean, whatever people do, what they want to do. <laughs> yeah, um, and I think it'll be interesting. Though I'm sure, I'm sure that deal will be signed. You know, cited by by every GM uh, who's in a negotiation. Well, <laughs> Lou Williams took three years for twenty four million. So, um, but I'm a so center. Yeah, we'll yeah, but he did take that deal. Yeah, um. <laughs> but that happened. That was the thing. Um, but yeah, and, and I would say too. I mean, I you know, as as you kind of alluded to yesterday, not not surprised the Bucks didn't make a another move today um kind of relieved that they weren't like really even you know linked there wasn't really a lot of talk with the bucks getting close to some monster deal and again obviously i've been pounding the you know it's not worth going after deandre jordan drum for for a while now um so i was happy that it wasn't even really i guess brought up much today i think if that you know if it was Oh, the Bucks were really close to a deal. Then I'd probably be concerned about what that says about just the way the front office sort of, you know, is considering thinking about this roster. Mm-hmm. Um, but obviously, that didn't happen. And um, I mean, probably the most significant—not that—not that I expected Jabari Parker to be moved, but I mean, yeah, in the grand scheme of sort of this, you know, this franchise, not trading Jabari Parker. I mean, you know, yes, you could do a sign and trade this summer, but. You can't trade Jabari's 
rights at this point, right? Like, you know, you, you, it's not like on draft night if some team wants Jabari Parker, the Bucks can do anything about it. Like, he's going to be a free agent. So yep. nothing can happen with Jabari until July 1, and we'll see what does happen. But certainly, you know, him not really seemingly even being kind of linked with a move out of town does suggest that the Bucks are planning to stick with Jabari, you know, and obviously we talked about the luxury tax implications of doing so, but, um, you know, we've also talked about how just from a talent perspective, there's obviously some very good reasons to, to stick to your guns on keep Jabari and, you know, hope that he eventually becomes that, that missing piece that, you know, you, you need from a talent standpoint on this roster. So, um, so yeah, interesting day, even in sort of the inaction uh, of the day. Um, as I say, um, I, I think the jump put a countdown up as soon as the trade deadline was up for 143 days 140 until free days. agency. Yeah. So um, by the time any of you are listening to that, 142 days before the battle begins. Like because with uh, with Jabari Parker, like I don't think it's going to get ugly. Uh, I think the organization has a good enough relationship with Jabari that both sides can say their piece and they can figure out where to go there. But I mean, y- you read the Zach Lowe piece, like three for fifty four was where the Bucks wanted to be, and that was not something that Parker and his camp were comfortable with. And I, I would assume maybe the Bucks move that number up a little bit, but at the same time. Maybe that's as far as they're willing to... Like, I think just thinking about where Jabari Parker is in relation to Andrew Wiggins, to Joel Embiid, where both of those guys got contracts and big contracts at that, that he's going to see that and say, okay, I think that's maybe something like I should be getting. And, uh, well, it doesn't seem like that's what the Bucks are thinking. So it's. I think it's going to be a really interesting free agency period. And like you said, my I don't know if I want to say this is my greatest fear, but I would almost be terrified if at twelve oh one there was a deal for Jabari Parker, like because that could only mean that there was an overpay, right? Like, or maybe maybe there's a world where at twelve oh one they figure out a, a really team friendly deal, but. That seems awfully unlikely, right? Yeah, I mean, you look kind of at the history of this. I mean, the recent history of the Bucks having deals lined up right at midnight on July 1, there's Chris Middleton, five years, 70 million, which obviously Great um, yeah, ended up being a terrific deal. I think at the time, you know, we said it was a good deal. Uh, obviously, Chris wasn't as established then as he is now, but, you know, it was encouraging that he did not even go out and test the market and go and see if he could get a better offer. Um and then Tony Snell last summer, similarly signing, you know, a deal that um, I think you know, we'll see, you know, if there, if if there, I think there's a chance that, you know, if there are more Lou Williams contracts doled out this summer, that certainly the Tony Snell deal will look worse uh, than it did, you know, a few months ago. Let's say, um, you know, if Avery Bradley gets eight million dollars a year or something like that, then certainly people are going to look at Tony Snell getting, you know, ten and a half or eleven. Um, and saying, well, that's that's not great, but um, obviously, in the grand scheme of things, that's not a backbreaker, and I think it's still reasonable enough that you know you could see Tony in a trade if if the Bucks do need to clear space and they you know don't want to give up assets to do so. Maybe Tony Snell is part of that that package um, because he does have obviously some useful skills, does fit an archetype that that is you know fairly highly valued in the NBA today. So um, so yeah, I, I don't know. Let, Let's just say. Let me ask you this: They offered Jabari eighteen million a year last summer. Obviously, 
you know, they were only at the start of, well, not the start, but they were only kind of like midway through his rehab at the time. Um, it seems like, you know, obviously he's come through the rehab well. He's looked pretty good since he came back. Um, not to the point where, you know, we can feel like 100% confident that everything's great now and he'll be fine forever. But um, the other piece of this that makes me kind of wonder, though, is at that point when they made that offer, um, Jabbar, or sorry, uh, Greg Monroe was an expiring contract and we didn't know that they were going to add salary with the Eric Bledsoe trade. So I guess my question is, do you think right now the Bucks offer, like I, it's, it's intuitively would make sense to me that Jabari returning to the court and looking pretty good. And I guess we'll see how these next weeks go, um, you know, if that continues. But I would assume that the Bucks, you know, you know, their valuation of him would not certainly not go down since they made that offer. Um, but their cash flexibility has maybe gone down a little bit. Um but I mean, do you think the bucks that that eighteen million dollar year number? Do you think that is probably still the number that they would be comfortable starting with, or do you think at this point, seeing Jabari back on the court, he got through his rehab well, that you know that number would have inevitably come up a little bit? I think it's interesting because circumstances has, have certainly changed, right? Like they are they are very different than what they were when they were negotiating that, like in adding Eric Bledsoe, also Malcolm Brockton getting hurt. Like maybe that was a guy that you thought for sure would be getting future money and maybe he'll come back from this injury totally fine and you won't have any concerns about it. But also maybe uh, there will be a little bit of a lingering impact there. And then maybe that means Jabari is uh, when, when we get to the summer of 19, Maybe the guy, one of the odd men out instead of Eric Bledsoe or Chris Middleton is Malcolm Brogdon. I don't know. That that could happen. Um, but, yeah, the circumstances are very different at this point. Um, but I can't imagine a world where you would go up from that point. Like, just from a negotiation standpoint, I, I, don't, I don't think sticking at 18 as your initial offer offends Jabari Parker. Um, maybe it does. And maybe I, I've read the, I'm reading the situation wrong, but I do feel like you start as, as you negotiate through this, like you start at that point and say, it's going to be, we're so comfortable at 18 and maybe you're still comfortable at three years, whatever it may be. Um, but I think you still start in that area. And if it goes up from there, then okay, we can, we can bump up a little bit, but uh, man, I just don't know at what point you feel uncomfortable with the Jabari Parker contract because once I get over 20, I think I start to feel uncomfortable. Um, and, and I'm I'm curious, maybe your number is higher, lower, somewhere in there, but um, I, feel, I feel good at 18. I feel eh, okay at 20. And much higher than that, I don't feel great. Yeah, I mean, I think if you're Jabari's agent, you'd say, well if you were comfortable at 18 previously, then there's no way you could not have a higher number now, given he's actually come back from the injury and he's looked good and all that. Um, that doesn't mean the bucks have to actually offer a higher number. Um, especially given their financial situation sort of dictates that it would be a lot better if they didn't offer a higher number. Um, but yeah, I, I don't know. And I, I think the other piece of this too is, you know, we we're obviously conditioned to think a lot about sort of just like the average, you know, salary per year figure, um, but with guys who do have these sort of, um, you know, strange injury situations and are, have more of a risk and a concern that way, um, 
you know, the length of deals, which way options swing in deals, if there's non-guaranteed stuff, that stuff is hugely important, right? And, you know, a two plus one with a player option versus a two plus one with a team option for a guy like Jabari, huge. I mean, for any for any player, it's a big difference. But especially for a guy like Jabari, mm-hmm. that's a huge difference. And, you know, to tell me that you're going to offer two plus one with a team option at, I don't know, $20 million a year, um, that's a very different contract than two plus one with a player option at, you know, pick a number, right? Mm-hmm. Um, because, again, like with a team option, if just things go to hell and Jabari just doesn't develop and he's just like a, you know, uh, with with all these other scores around, like he's, you know, just kind of ends up being a 17-point-per-game scorer who plays no defense, Um yeah, I mean, twenty million per year is just that's not worth it, right? Yeah. I mean, this is this is not going to be worth it. And obviously, you know, you'd probably at that point be looking to trade him. But then also that optionality, you know, is a big part of you know his valuation that that other teams going to have if he's a, you know has a has a player option. Then you know, well, is he just an expiring contract after a year? Things like that. So I, I think that stuff is all just going to be hugely important. And and we saw Philly do some pretty creative stuff with Embiid's contract. With some non-guarantees and or actually the you know with some guarantees that were dependent on you know games played and things like that, um, but that that contract also is kind of tricky because I mean you know basically the the protection the Sixers have there are is if Embiid basically like you know just his knee explodes and he never plays again or his you know foot blows up or whatever like if Embiid you know just is reduced in effectiveness. It's not like they can get him for ten million a year, then, right? They, I mean, they have to get rid of him. Like he's yeah. not going to be on the team in order for them to get, you know, sort of the protection they need. And obviously, that's the hard part. Is well, what if a guy is still pretty good, but he's just not a max level player? Um, you know, again, most most guys don't. You know, it's, it's not like they're going to have just this contract that pays them, you know, ten million if they're pretty good, and twenty million if they're really good, and thirty million if they're awesome, right? Like that's just not how sort of incentive structures in, in NBA contracts work. Yeah. Um, as as intuitive and nice as it might be if they were like that, that's just, you know, you just don't see that. So um so yeah, I think Jabari's I mean, let's just say this that the the um you know, we we joke about John Horst referring to himself as a cap expert in his open introductory press conference, uh, but certainly everybody in the front office is going to have to sharpen their pencils. And this Parker <laughs> this Parker contract is is definitely going to be a situation where they're going to have to earn earn that expertise, show that they have that, um, because you know, again, the fine print, um, the 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 whenever you know Woj or Shams um, first tweets whatever the contract value is on Jabari Parker, let's all wait. Let's wait yeah. and hear. Let's wait and hear what the details of that are, and because they're getting their information uh, from agents, and the agent yeah. is going to paint it a certain way. Right. But there might be some some finer print there to read. So exactly. it's it's man, it's going to be fascinating. Um, man, we're going to record a bunch of podcasts about that uh, this upcoming off season. So you have that to look forward to. Um, but und- I, I guess for now, push it out of your mind and just watch the Bucks play basketball. Enjoy it, basketball. Like, Enjoy d- Jabari Parker playing basketball. D- d- I, I, you don't have to worry about it. The team can worry about their future uh, outlook, but you can just watch them play basketball. And that's what you can do here on Friday and Saturday. Uh, the Bucks have their... Miami Orlando kind of road trip and Frank it's funny I was kind of thinking about this this was the low point of their season last year 
Like this road trip was the absolute low point. And maybe not, but it was before Jabari Parker tears his ACL. It was this was team meeting weekend. It, it, this is when it all went down where uh, Jabari Parker says he gets thrashed by uh, all of his teammates and his coaches in the team only meeting and he stood up for himself and then he gets suspended for the first half for talking to the media and then um, as we talked about the other day Greg Monroe cracks some jokes about it like this uh, again obviously the bucks ended up losing 10 of 12 and like, this was an ugly portion of the season last year for the bucks and it's just kind of interesting to think um before we preview those games that how much things have changed like how brighter and more sunny the outlook is at this very moment and that just could be because they've played a bunch of crappy teams in a row and they got a new coach in here and uh, all these like it's just funny to compare and contrast those two moments in time, like those two Miami road trips and it, it couldn't be more different. Yeah. So I guess February 8th, 2017, that was, we're at the one year anniversary of the home loss in which Jabari tore his ACL in which, um, Chris came back, uh, from, from his injury. Um, and that that loss put the Bucks at twenty two and twenty nine. Um, they split their next couple games to go to twenty three and thirty. So basically, they had the mirror record last year that they yeah. do now. They're thirty and twenty three now. They were twenty three and thirty a year ago through fifty three games. And you know we've, we've talked about how uh, the day of the Brandon Knight trade, you know, <laughs> sort of when the sliding doors moment happened for the Bucks uh, three years ago, they were at. 30 and 23 the exact same record that they have right now they make the big trade they end up getting mcw out of it um they win their first game with mcw and then i think they lost like four out of five and you know really stuttered down the the stretch well although the starting lineup with mcw was actually good (laughs) yeah it was that it's a little bit of a fallacy to say that oh like mcw like you know sort of harpooned that that season or submarine not harpooned um that season because it it was really more of the bench you remember the bench was like awesome in the first half of that season and they were just garbage um but anyway i don't want to that's the last time we're going to talk about mcw (laughs) like ever um so so yeah but but interesting and and certainly the subplot uh in this miami game is really interesting because the bucks have a chance to you know come out and um put pressure on the third seeded Cleveland Cavaliers. They have a chance to, you know, move clear of the Washington Wizards um, to try to cement that fourth spot a little much. And certainly the Miami Heat only a couple weeks ago were uh, in the spot the Bucks are now in terms of seeding. And oh, by the way, the Miami Heat are going to be supposedly debuting their brand new player uh, who will probably feel pretty at home in Miami, which is uh, Dwayne Wade. So it's going to be a really interesting game. And I think it's a great test for the Bucks because as we've seen, the Bucks have struggled <laughs> to score, especially in the half court against the Heat. Ugh. James Johnson has been a tough matchup for Giannis. Uh, Hassan Whiteside has, you know, just punked the Bucks inside. I don't know if and... I can do another crappy Giannis game in Miami, Frank. <laughs> I, I honestly don't know if I can do it. It was so yeah. bad the last time, and then when they got the Heat at home, it wasn't any better. Like they just make it so hard on Giannis that man, it would really make me feel good to. Just watch a game tomorrow night, or I guess by the time you're listening to this, tonight, where Giannis just doesn't struggle against the Heat. Um, 
that would really just make my night uh, because man, it just the Bucks always look so. Obviously, it makes sense as as Giannis goes, the Bucks go. But man, the the nights where he just can't get anything going, they look so so bad. Well, and I mean, it doesn't feel like Giannis is necessarily starting that much, but he's shot under fifty percent in four of the last five games. That's the only time this season that's happened, I believe. Um, you know, last five, he's only averaging twenty three point two. Part of that is because that Brooklyn game where he had to come out in the fourth quarter, but he's been under 20 twice in the last five games, or twice in the last four games, actually. Um, oh, so With a heat game on top, oh my gosh, I'm terrified for him. Yeah, so uh, he's scoring down to 27.9 points per game. Uh, I think I said 27.2 is my, my season projection, so I hope I'm wrong. But, uh, but yeah, Giannis is, I mean, he kind of came back from the layoff looking awesome. Um, but has actually looked kind of more human of late, even when he's, you know, jumping over dudes, uh, in superhuman fashion in, uh, in New York. So obviously as long as the Bucks keep winning, you don't worry about it that much, but, um, but yeah, it would be nice to see Giannis kind of break out of his, his heat slump, uh, tomorrow. And, um, obviously the big difference between this game and previous heat games was we get to see Jabari Parker out there with the Bucks and hopefully that, that adds a different dimension as well. It was Miami where he did the behind the back. Yep. Right. Yeah. Oh, yeah. what a play, man! Hopefully that happens again. Um, yeah, we'll we'll kind of see what the Bucks do this weekend. Uh, the Heat are a team that they've struggled with. The Heat uh, are a team now that is behind the Bucks. Obviously, they had won seven straight, eight straight there, um, and recently they have come back down to earth a little bit. Um, they are currently twenty nine and twenty sixth, and in the seventh spot in the Eastern Conference. Um, so we'll have to see what the Bucks can do uh, against them there. Um, on Saturday, Orlando, they're terrible. Um, I can get you some statistics if you want them, but I will just tell you that they are a bad basketball team and the Milwaukee Bucks should beat them. So um, this Friday game kind of, I mean, that's one where I think you circle it and say, okay, you you get a win here. Um, if you can beat this Heat team, then you get another one against Orlando, and then all of a sudden you've had a super successful road trip. Like you just stacked four wins in a road trip, a four and road trip for a week long road trip. Like that's a huge win. And that's, a, it's certainly a possibility. Um, but it's that heat game that can swing it either direction. Yeah. And you know, again, it would be nice to, to claim a win against, you know, a, a very solid team, a team that you'd had, who you had issues against. Um, because uh, certainly nothing would legitimize sort of the Joe Prenti narrative than to start beating some good teams. We know that Joe Prenti can uh, lead the Bucks past bad teams, uh, and and not just lead past bad teams, but I mean they've been winning by double digits here regularly in these games. But uh, obviously, you know if you're going to make a run and, and claim one of these home court seeds in the playoffs, I mean I mean think about that. I mean the Bucks right now, if you took a snapshot and said the playoffs start right now, the Milwaukee Bucks. Would have home court in the playoffs against the Washington Wizards. It doesn't sound um, bad. That that's a really good place to be. You know that that's you know as much as people obviously are, are focused on big picture long term. Um, you know Giannis having a chance to not only go to the playoffs but lead his team to a playoff series win. Um, sign me up for that. Yep. I think that's a that's a huge step uh, if you can get there, and it obviously you know doesn't mean you're winning a championship two years from now, but um, you know I think this stuff tends to happen a lot more incrementally than you know sometimes I think people like to think it does. So anyway, um, yeah, big big game for the Bucks and a big couple of games here 
to try to keep all this momentum going in the right direction. All right, that's going to be it for us for today. Two games for the Bucks this weekend. We'll recap them and let you know what happened in those games on Monday. For Frank Madden, I'm Eric Name. This has been Lockdown Bucks. We'll talk to you then.